You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? It's BGN Radio, episode number 353. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from FairlyVoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BlueGreenNation.com. We're recording this on Wednesday. Our deepest apologies for now recording one a little sooner after the Eagles' week four overtime win over the Washington Commanders. So I guess we'll start not with the game stuff. We will get to some of the things from the game but we'll start with some of the news items that sort of came about after uh, that game in the last few days here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, but before we get to all that stuff, Brandon, where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land? Good job by you, Jimmy, remembering which one to plug first, because I didn't really tell you which one we were going <laughs> to do first. Usually we try to alternate, but it is indeed time to tell everyone that Righteous Felon Craft Jerky is the best place to get your meat snacks and non-meat snacks they offer at RighteousFelon.com. It is the same meat snack option of the Philadelphia Eagles. They have it right outside the Eagles' weight room and locker room for the players to grab and munch on. Also, we have seen it in the Phillies dugout. The Phillies dugout. Yeah. Wearing a Phillies hat right now. I went to the Phillies' uh, first game, wild card game against the Marlins on Tuesday night, and it was awesome. It's a nice stress free game to watch, by the way. It was. I was never worried. It was very fun. Had a great time. CBP was rocking. The energy in there, unreal. Really liked getting to see the Craig <coughs> Kim Craig Kimbrel. Uh, Welcome to the jungle intro. Even though he kind of doesn't deserve okay. it because he hasn't been pitching super well. But whatever. He got the job done last night. Phillies. I love the intentional balk that he had. That is kind of funny that he just does that. <laughs> He's He just is like, no, nah, I don't really care about this runner. I don't want them to. The point of that is so that the. Yeah, the runner was irrelevant because his run didn't, his, his run didn't matter. But he wants to move so him over. But he didn't want him behind him. Yeah. yeah he didn't want him on second base. Okay. That's yeah. pretty funny. Anyway, uh, right to sell him craft jerky. It's fueling the Philadelphia Eagles. It's fueling the Philadelphia Phillies. Why not let it fuel you too? Go to RightToSellin.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. The same discount code works at WildRangerPet.com for 15% off dog treats. Jimmy. Yes. Where do you want to start? Well, I think the biggest news is that Cam Jurgens is going to be out for a little while. And, you know, he's a starting offensive lineman. So it's, you know, kind of a big deal. He's probably the least important of the mm. Eagles' five starting offensive linemen, in my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, anyone that's playing in between Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson is going to have a huge advantage <laughs> when, when uh, you know, you're sandwiched between those two guys. Uh, but Sua Opeta filled in, of course, during the Washington Commanders game. There's maybe some speculation that Tyler Steen could maybe play, could start at right guard, and Opeta would remain the backup because Opeta can play both sides, whereas Steen was, of course, I mean, they had it, they had it in the training camp this year with a you know, competition for that starting right guard job. And it was between Steen and Jurgens. And then of course that never really materialized. It was very uh, obvious early on that Jurgens is going to win that job. But, uh, you know, Steen, I guess has not, 
uh, gotten to the point where they trust him in games right now uh, because it's going to be Opeta. I mean, Nick Sirianni was very clear uh, in his, I think it was the day after press conference, that it would be Opeta starting for him, uh, you know, at, at least initially here. And it comes at a time where they face a Rams team that employs, uh, what's his name? Aaron Donald, I think. He's a pretty good player. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the actually, the Eagles kind of have, like, a murderer's row of interior mm. defensive linemen. Beginning last week with Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, they have Aaron Donald this week. They have Quinnen Williams against the Jets. Week six, they have... Christian Wilkins, a really underrated, great player for Miami week seven. And then they have Allen and Payne again week eight against the Commanders. So um, to be determined, like how long Cam Jurgens is out, they have not yet put him on injured reserve. So we'll see if they do. If they don't, then it means he probably won't be out for at least four weeks. If they do put him on injured reserve, he will be out definitively for at least four weeks. Uh, but it's a it's a foot sprain, was it? Foot sprain? Uh, Jeff McLean reporting that he'll be out for a little while. It does change multiple things on the offensive line in terms of the most simple change is Sua Opeta as your starting right guard. But now it begs the question, who's your backup center? Because Cam Jurgens would also be your, you would be sliding to center conceivably if something would happen to Jason Kelsey. Is that now, I guess, Landon Dickerson who would move there? So I, I that wasn't on my radar watching practice today. I just got home from from Eagles practice on Wednesday here. But I think Dave Zangaro had tweeted out that uh, based upon what he was watching during warmups, yeah, Landon Dickerson would be the immediate backup at center and then should something happen to Jason Kelsey. Would, I, I guess maybe put... Jack Driscoll in at left guard or, or move Sua Opeta yeah. over to left guard and put Steen or Driscoll in at right guard? I think it's Driscoll. I, 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 everything that they've done so far tells me that they don't trust Steen, right. at least at guard. Uh, maybe they trust him more at, at tackle. Like he, if Jordan Mailata had gotten hurt in that game, maybe maybe Steen starts at left tackle. Fred Johnson looked good could there. also be in the mix. He has experience Fred, at guard. Sure. Yep. Um, but if he can, he can play both sides, uh, Fred Johnson, at least a mm-hmm. tackle. Um, I think that's kind of how they view him right now. It's the swing tackle, right. the in-game swing swing tackle. I don't know that he would start if they had, you know, if they lost Lane or I guess Driscoll would be in that mix too if it's the right side. But yeah, they have well, Specifically uh, with not... Fred Johnson too, he's really big. He's a, He's like huge. And if they really like that, you know, having what that usually they have there with Milata and Dickerson both being so huge on that left side of the offensive line, you know, maybe there's something to be said for keeping Johnson in there and having that advantage still, whereas, you know, Driscoll is on the smaller side. Fred Johnson, by the way, delightful. He has really nice eyes, I've noticed, from the Eagles social media. He does. (laughs) He's like these blue eyes. He's, He's delightful, Fred Johnson. He's very fun to talk to. Um, but yeah, so their their offensive line depth is going to be tested here a little bit, and um, and Steen will know, be like active they, for the first time all year. I would imagine would so, so, but I don't I don't know that's a hundred percent. So they've been keeping what set eight seven offensive linemen active. Well, I guess that I guess they would have eight active uh, always anyway. Yeah, because yeah, he, I guess he would be up. Right. Yeah, he would be up. He would be up, of course. Uh, bad moment there by me. Uh, Elsewhere, I have failed you all. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. In Eagles news, sign my guy, 
Bradley Roby. Always liked. Well, wait, wait, wait. Let's let's do the other injury oh, okay. real quick before. Well, Britton Covey suffered a concussion against the Commanders, and it should be noted that no player in the NFL this year has suffered a concussion and then played in that very next game. So not a good precedent there for Mr. Covey, who did not practice on Wednesday. Adam Schefter noted that I think it was like Kenny Pickett last year in October at some point was the last player to suffer a concussion and in the game and then play that very next week. So it hasn't happened in a long time. So I don't know that he was definitively defi- uh, diagnosed with a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol. Mm. I don't, I don't know if there's a difference there, but uh, I don't think his concussion is very serious. He was sprinting on the field today during practice. He didn't have a helmet on. He didn't have pads on or anything like that, but he was sprinting, which on a Wednesday, he still got, you know, four days until game day. I mean, you don't want his brain bouncing around <laughs> if he's still like, you know, feeling symptoms of concussions, you know, sprinting around on the field. So I don't know. I think he's got a chance. Um, I don't know how much it factors in that it's a road game. Mm-hmm. And all the way out on the West Coast. Right. Yeah, that's very relevant. That factors in the or not. player has to travel. And it, if they're not cleared to maybe do that, they haven't cleared yet, then maybe they can't travel, depending on how the protocol works. But he's been good. I mean, he's been really yeah. good as a punt returner. He had the fumble and, you know, whatever. But as a return, like getting yards, he's been great. He's been like, I think he's third in the NFL right now in punt return average among all punt returners that have, I think it's at least five punt returns through the first four games here. And he's averaging like 16 point something yards per return, which, uh, you know, if you look at like last year's averages, for example, that would lead the league. Um, two guys have had punt return touchdowns. So they're the only two guys in the in the NFL that have a higher return average than Britton Covey. He's been great. Kidding. So who does it if he's not in? Probably Olamide Zacchaeus, I would think. That's what the Eagles were doing in training camp when Covey was hurt with that hamstring injury. I think that's right. So I guess you could have Boston Scott do it if you, or you could call up Greg Ward. Probably not though, based on what they're going to, what I think they're going to do with the elevations, which I think I'm guessing they're going to elevate Bradley Roby for who they just signed a veteran player, former first round pick. Yeah, that's, that's a tough call. Well, like, I'm not saying he'll necessarily get up start speed. or play, but I think you want to have him available just in case. They clearly yeah, don't trust Mario Gilberts to play. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's clear. But, I mean, their game plan might be the same as what it was week three, right. for example, where it was a combination of Bradbury and Sidney Brown. Maybe they go back to that for one week before they bring Brad- Bradley Roby up because he's got to get acclimated both physically and mentally, get his body into quote-unquote football shape and he didn't seem to th- he like he talked today in the locker room. He didn't seem to think that getting up to speed mentally, like learning the defense, was that. But he's he was like, we're all running the same coverages. <laughs> like it's really not all that different. Uh, he's been in the league for a long. I think he was a rookie in twenty fourteen. Yep. I think so. Um, he and he's a smart player. He seemed like a smart guy today in the, in the locker room. Um, so maybe maybe he he can, he'll be ready in time. Um, but they're kind of like low on elevations and high on players who could be elevated because you got Braden Mann. Mm-hmm. Who has you been got, bad. Um, uh, somebody else offline had made the point. Julian Good-Jones could maybe be elevated. More center if depth. you want a direct center uh, 
sub in for Jason Kelsey as opposed to Lennon Dickerson sliding over and then somebody else playing mm-hmm. guard. Um, you know, Great. you could so, do Greg Ward if you want a punt returner. Greg Ward, tubby yep. out. Yep. So, so it'll be interesting. The, the little the little roster nuances will be fun to sort of track. This that's week. a very um, liberal use of interesting for a lot of people. Interesting for you and me. <laughs> for a lot of people, not as interesting. Yes, but I want to get <laughs> right. to Roby's background. Obviously, you know, a first round pick, a Super Bowl champion for that 2015 Broncos team. The last four years by passer rating allowed, according to Pro Football Reference. This is dating back to 2019. Uh, when he joined the Houston Texans for two seasons. He was at 79.9 in 2019, 89.8 in 2020, 90.2 in 2021, and then 79.4 in 2022. So hmm. very good coverage okay. numbers there. Obviously, those numbers are kind of like, you know, it's kind of, the coverage stats can kind of be a little tough to parse through and always know exactly how much a player is definitely giving up because of different responsibilities and whatnot. But... Uh, this is a, a player with pedigree. He's talented. He is someone who has experience both playing in the slot and the outside. So I think that's certainly something you like to have for not only being able to fill in on the slot, but also providing depth should something happen to James Bradbury or Darius Slay on the outside. So I think it's a sensible addition. I saw you write an article on Tuesday, I believe, or Monday that was about the Eagles need uh, their, their top trade deadline needs. And you had right. nickel cornerback as number one. I think we all knew James yeah. Bradbury in the slot wasn't as – it was never meant to be a permanent measure as much as it was to buy them time to maybe figure things out and see what they could do and how they could address that spot moving forward. I think Josh Job has been okay relative to expectation. I don't think he's been a disaster. I think some people think he's been really bad. I don't really think that's the case. Uh, but certainly, I think ideally – you know, you want Bradbury back on the outside, and now you can potentially do that if Roby gets up to speed and he comes in here, and he is your slot cornerback with Bradbury and Slay on the outside. So disaster, no, but I don't think he's been good. And actually, I'll I'll take a minute here to, you know, little golf clap for James Bradbury for being unselfish and moving into the slot with you know the career that he's had, and he's been in the league for a long time. A lot of you know, players might not want to move into the slot mm-hmm. because he's never really done it. And he's, you know, exposing himself to a position where he might not play that well. And I thought he was fine, actually, by the way, James Bradbury in the slot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was a temporary um, thing for him there. I mean, the value that you lose by taking him out of the, you know, by taking him off the outside and I think that the drop off from James Bradbury to Josh Job is substantial. Sure. Um, and I th- I think that if Roby can be, you know, basically what he was the last couple of years or whatever, he's still, you know, and he's a free agent, by the way, for a reason. So, like, well, he, I want to get into he that said, a little bit. Yeah. So he said he had other offers to to go to another team, but he wants to win a Super Bowl. And he was just kind of waiting to waiting, like, to let things play out a little bit. And then when this opportunity arose, it's what he was kind of looking mm-hmm. for. And I believe him. Like, I feel, I feel like that's a, an easy thing to say. If you're a player in his situation where he sat out the first month of the season and then, so I, you know, and I don't think he's lying. Like, I don't think you would lie saying like other teams were interested and he, like, 
if no, if, if his phone just wasn't ringing at all, I don't think he would make up the teams were calling. Um, so, but and I think the Eagles certainly do make sense for a player like him, who's what is he, thirty two at this point? Yep, he, he turns thirty two uh, this year. He, he's in his age thirty one season, I guess. Well, I mean, I don't know. He's thirty one, thirty two. Anyway, the point I was going to make was, um, I feel a lot more comfortable with a trio of Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Bradley Roby than I do Slay, Bradbury, Job. I think part of the reason he could be a free agent is because he's not. A, this is a former first-round pick, you know, who has pedigree. It's not like this is a guy who's like always wants to do the dirty work. You know, he doesn't want to be in a camp battling for a roster spot. I think he's at a level where he feels like. I'll just wait until someone calls me and needs me to play for them immediately. Kind of like not the same thing entirely, but sort of what I was saying with Carson Wentz. Like I think I think the only way he's coming back is if he's not going somewhere to be a backup and like grind away and help someone else start. That's probably true. He too, only yeah. wants to play if he knows he's going to play. Right. So I think that's why part of the reason he was out there and still available. The uh, Eagles, by the way, have had success with Saints corners or defensive backs malcolm jacobs of course was a corner at one point yeah and uh cjgj Mm -hmm. so um yeah maybe they can make it three for three and the saints have had uh, i don't know i think this is still the case have had a lot of defensive back talent in recent years so it's not like the saints were hurting for cornerbacks and didn't bring back roby you know what I mean? Like, that would be a bad sign, typically. It's like, yeah, they, I mean, they have Elante Taylor there, who's, I loved him coming out. And they have Paulson Adebo. They have Lattimore. He's been really good. Well, he, he's their slot guy. Uh, so he's been really good in that role. And there was really no need to bring mm-hmm. Bradley Roby back right. with the way that that guy played last year and the way so far he's playing this year. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not, the point being, it's not like a team that was desperate for. Uh, right. slot cornerback like didn't want him back like that's not a that would be a bad signal but this is a case where I think they just didn't need him because what else they have so yeah I think you can expect him to come in and fill a role and not be terrible uh, elsewhere in the secondary which has been banged up for the Eagles this year Justin Evans in Sydney Brown back at practice Evans had returned to practice late last week he was ruled questionable to play did not end up being ready to play on Sunday. And Sidney Brown didn't really practice at all last week. So the fact that he's back is certainly a positive sign. You'd really like to have at least one of those guys. And if you get both, that's good. You can make Sidney Brown in the slot, like you were saying. Um, having Justin Evans back there instead of Terrell Edmonds, who I did not think ultimately had a good game uh, against the Commanders and clearly isn't someone the Eagles want on the field because in week one, when all the safeties were healthy, the entire roster was healthy. I think Edmonds only played like 12% of the snaps or something. It was mostly, mm. you know, Reed Blankenship and um, just... He played in some three safety right. sets. So like sub packages, they're, they, he, they're fine with him playing in sure. sub packages, but they don't want him on the field all the time. Exactly. For sure. So, you know, to get him off the... Or to, I think he can play. I think he can play in this, as, uh, as a role player, small role, but, you know, not ideal out there the whole game and certainly not ideal when he's dropping a pick in the end zone to take seven points off the board and also had that penalty which is I think a tough call and we can get into that later but still uh, at the end of the day he finished the game with two penalties in addition to a drop pick so just you know not not great but uh, he was getting a little bit healthier in that area which is key because obviously injuries happen during the season 
but the biggest thing you want to avoid is the stacking of injuries at one position. Like that's that's where it becomes a little too it becomes a little challenging. It always feels like it happens that way too. It does. It does feel like that. You know? As a habit, that really used to happen to the Eagles at cornerback and like defensive tackle late in the I guess yeah. Doug, like kind of like the Doug years. The Doug era for sure, yes. So uh typically you just want to avoid that because obviously again injuries are gonna like, happen. Like the Rams had like the the Rams had like eight different offensive linemen hurt last yeah. year. <laughs> like so yeah, it would it can it can come in waves sometimes. That's where it's you can't like injuries happen, you can get by them in some cases, but not when it's you're just getting decimated at one position. You can only do so much. But if there is a position where they like it's like where they can survive it, that was it. Like safety because they, you know, and the and the you know the the one really good one they have was fine in the last game anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know they they can withstand losing Justin Evans in, in favor of Terrell Evans for a game here and there. Not a big deal. All right, let's take a break and then get into those Eagles Commanders takeaways. Jimmy, yes, we will be what back. After we talk about Wrong Crowd Beer, wow, which is in Westchester, PA, brewery, restaurant, delicious beer, mm. delicious food. Mm-hmm. WrongCrowdBeer.com is where you can order Wrong Crowd Beer online, uh, or you can go to wherever you buy your beer and say, yo, dude, where's the Wrong Crowd Beer? And if they don't have it, ask them kindly to bring some in. But WrongCrowdBeer.com, uh, Wrong Crowd Beer. I think um, <laughs> Kristen just had. I hadn't seen it, like because they 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 gave us uh you know some beers to take with us after our live show. Yes, it was uh it was like a betting, it was like a gambling theme. Ooh. Did you see that one? Um, I forget the name. Possibly, of it. but I can't recall the name. I'm looking at their menu of all their beers. Their Oktoberfest was. I was delicious. just gonna say I love that one, and you know, oh, now that you? we're in October <laughs> and Halloween's coming up, I would strongly <laughs> right. recommend getting the Oktoberfest if you don't know which one to get. All right, back after this. Back here in BGN Radio, get to some of our Eagles Commanders takeaways. I'll kick us off with the kicker. Jake Elliott, two-time Stud. NFC Special Teams Player of the Week this season, previously winning in week one, and now for the fifth time in his career. I think we probably collectively kind of take for granted how it's a big luxury to have one of the best kickers in the yeah. NFL. Not only one of the best, but like it's one of the most clutch. He's been incredibly clutch throughout his whole career. He's made some really big kicks. I saw you pulled him about what he he felt like his top five biggest kicks were, were mm-hmm. most clutch kicks. And, you know, this game comes down to a 54-yard attempt. He makes it. I Was I, was anyone really worried? Was anyone thinking he was not going to make that? I think everyone felt like he was going to make that. And he did, because he's really good. So he had that as his third most clutch kick. He was reluctant to answer this question, by the way. I gave him a list of five clutch kicks over his career and then he he ordered them for me i'll just because you mentioned it i don't think everyone is on twitter (laughs) like where they can see this so i'll just say number one was the super bowl of course Mm -hmm. number two was the 61 yarder for the win against the giants in 2017 uh the one the 54 yarder uh on sunday right yeah Washington game was yeah Sunday okay <laughs> number four what I think this is a very underrated kick by the way mm. the forty eight yarder for the win 
against Oakland at the t- or Oakland at the yep. time in 2017. That game was cold as hell. And that was a very tough kick that he made in that game. And then the 61-yarder that he just made a couple weeks ago at the end of the first half uh, against the Vikings. He actually said that that kick, he didn't say this today, but a different time uh, after that game, that was probably the hardest mm. kick that he's ever made because it was against the wind. Wow. So he had to hit it higher up on the ball, and he knew that it was going to be low, first of all, so there's a chance it's going to get blocked. But also when you hit it a little higher up on the ball, um, it's a lot harder to control Mm. the accuracy on it. And he said there's definitely luck involved when you hit that kind of – when you strike the ball that way. And he said he was surprised it went in. <laughs> so, like, he was surprised that he even made it. Uh, but, yeah, so he he said that that was probably his hardest kick ever. But that was his list of his most clutch kicks ever. Jake Elliott ranks tied with the Cowboys kicker for points scored in the NFL this year so far with 48. He's, he's ah, the, okay. tied for the most. They've kicked a lot of field goals. I was going to say, ideally, <laughs> you don't want that to happen because you want to score more touchdowns. Yeah. But the fact that the Eagles can rely on their kicker when they have to is a really nice thing. No doubt. All right. I'll go to the explosive plays that they finally made in this game. And it was really three of them that uh, mattered here. And one of them actually probably was more harm than good. But um, the, mm. you know, the the first touchdown to A.J. Brown where he got, you know, John Hurts hit him down the left sideline. And then he had a long run kind of weaving in and out of traffic. Uh, all the way to the end zone. Alameda Zacchaeus blocking downfield. Devontae Smith blocking downfield. Really good team effort. But A.J. Brown bodied poor Emmanuel Forbes mm. all day. And it's kind of funny how, like, you know, when, when you and I talked after the draft, because we looked at, you know, just not not a deep dive into the three other NFC East teams draft but drafts, but it was pretty easily pretty easy to identify that Emmanuel Forbes, if he had to cover A.J. Brown, that was going to be a mismatch because A.J. Brown's 226 pounds. Emmanuel Forbes, I don't know what he is now. Maybe he's a little heavier now, but he weighed in at the combine at 166, and he's 6'1". So that guy is, I mean, that that is like, that's like 10 pounds skinnier than Devontae Smith. That guy is rail thin, and I knew it was going to be a problem for him. I thought for sure they were going to have him lined up against Devontae Smith as much as possible. And for whatever reason, they did not. He covered A.J. Brown a lot in that game, and the Eagles took full advantage. The other long touchdown, of course, to A.J. Brown was in a situation where mm. they'd have been far better served just getting a first down. I don't know how this is controversial. I feel like this is just like a, a no-brainer. Because if you get the first down, the game's over. Like, the, Washington never yeah, gets well, the ball assuming back. Jake, yeah, assuming Jake well, Elliott makes okay. the kick, which we all, you go which we all know he is. <laughs> right, yeah. which we all know he's going to make the kick. So, like, yeah, that was uh, – I mean, he, they score the touchdown and whatever. It's fine. Like, it's better than taking – and actually, the risk the, the risk in, in calling that kind of play is you get sacked. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Jalen Hurts get sacked in situ- – like, what was it, the Vikings game where he took two consecutive sacks – and it knocked him out of field goal yep. range, and they wound up punting and not getting any points at all. So it was a very questionable play call. And I know you want to get to the the other play call. I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that. But didn't <laughs> so Brian Johnson spoke on Tuesday, and he said he even said that play was designed to get the first down, right? 
Yeah, well, I the yeah, AJ I the AJ uh, touchdown uh, play I'm talking about. He said that play oh, was designed right, 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 to get right, the first right. down. Like that was not uh, it was not the primary goal of that play was not to take a shot down the field. We know Jalen gets aggressive with that. Oh, okay. And I can't always fault him for but that. That doesn't make sense though because it was a double move and he ran a he ran a go route after the double move. Well, that's what Brian Johnson said, but it wasn't like an it wasn't an option route where he went he had a choice to go deep or like whatever. It was a well, double move. Well, you know what that happened? Like what happened on that though because he did that? Did you see who was open underneath on the right side? DeAndre Swift's wide open because A.J. Brown helps clear oh, that he? out. So DeAndre okay. Swift is just wide open in the flat there. And I said, <laughs> and this is not hindsight, and I, I texted you uh, that on Sunday, and I have the receipt that I put in my article on Bleeding Green Nation. Like, this is not just hindsight of me saying that after the commanders tied it up. I said it right after the touchdown. I said it as Jalen Hurts was going back to throw. I'm like, he has Swift right there. Just, like, just hit Swift. Dump off to Swift. Yeah. Swift gets you a first down. And then you can bleed the clock and kick a field goal and you win the game and you don't even let them touch it again. I do think that you can – I'm not saying it's like there are idiots to score that touchdown. It's kind of tough to say don't score a touchdown when you have it. But, man, like I just think the optimal – if we're talking about optimal decision-making, the optimal thing would have been – the smartest thing would I think would have been to just get the first down, which I thought they easily had if he dumps off to Swift. And also, this isn't like Swift is on the other side of the field and you can't see him. Swift is totally like in his He's view. On the same side of the field. Like, I, I can't yeah, – yeah. he had to have seen him. So like I, I, I'm just kind of – yeah, I think that was a mistake. I think I think you have to get the first so down. So I'll put it this way: like the touchdown increased their chances of winning. Like before that play, before mm-hmm. that play's run, I'm sure that whatever the winning percentage was, like after the touchdown, it went up. Mm-hmm. But if they had gotten just the first down without a touchdown, it would have gone way up. Yeah. It would have gone up a lot more than what it went up from the touchdown. Is the only gripe here. So like that that play is kind of a microcosm of the Eagles season so far in that they're 4-0 and they're you know and, and there's still plenty of things to complain about and you know on that one play they score a touchdown on a very exciting play and also there's plenty of things to gripe about with that play. And the other you know play that you alluded to the Kenny Gainwell run on 3rd and 11. I mean what are we doing man? Like <laughs> I yeah. just I can't I can't get over that. I know it's one play, but that's like a crucial play. Like you're up f- what four at that point. You have a chance to really like just put the game away. It's, bar- it's over. Yeah, if you if you score a touchdown on that drive, it's and over. You run on and not even with your best running back. Like I the Kenny Gainwell obsession. I, I I talk about it every week. The obsession with this just like totally mediocre at best player is is befuddling i don't understand why do you want to get you paid your quarterback literally a quarter of a billion dollars so you could hand off to maybe your third best running back on the roster on third and 11 like that is what is that that's horrible i don't want to hear sirianni saying oh we did it last week and it worked no you didn't no you didn't against the buccaneers <laughs> the eagles had third and six and they ran and they ran with swift by the way who's been just like objectively incredibly better than Kenny Gainwell this year. And they had also bludgeoned the Buccaneers in the run game too. And in this game, they were not having success on the ground. And also like, okay, third and six, you can reasonably say, okay, we're, we're setting up fourth and short, you know, we're getting to fourth and two. Yeah. You're not getting to fourth and short on third and 11 with a run, like reasonably. So like you can't reasonably say that, that especially with Kenny Gainwell, who's not been good. It's I I that is such I know you like to say you don't like to nitpick play calling 
And I'm kind of with you with that. Oh, well, I, I, we can nitpick that, that one. one. That's a yeah, terrible that's call. That's egregiously yeah. bad. That is horrible. Like, you didn't give yourself a chance. Like, what do you – I just don't – I think that sometimes – so, like, you know, Nick Sirianni and, and the he knows more about football than the two Kenny, of us combined. Wait, hold on. Sorry. We'll Kenny Gainwell fumbled okay. on that play, too. That could have been a disaster. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> they, they know football better than we do. Okay? Fine. Let's get that out of the way. But I think sometimes when you kind of, like, get so deep into the weeds Galaxy on game planning it. and – Right. It's exactly galaxy brain these calls where it's for like a much more like the the, the 60,000 foot view freaking pass the ball and get the first down, you know, or like it's it's crazy to me that they ran the ball at all there. Kenny Gainwell now, by the way, is up to. uh, So, I mean, on on Sunday, he had four carries for just 14 yards, 3.5 average this season. He's at 32 for 111. That's 3.5 average. Uh, and by the way, his seven receptions have produced just 32 yards, which is not good. That's 4.6 average. And among 34 running backs this year with at least 32 carries, only seven rank lower in success rate than Gainwell. And Gainwell ranks 53rd out of 56 running backs graded by PFF. We'll take it for what it's worth this year. Like, There's just no metric that suggests he's a good player. I just, it's it's such an egregious misuse of talent. Like you've AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, who isn't involved enough in general. Um, Deon, uh, did I say Deon, DeAndre Swift? DeAndre Swift, Alameda Zacchaeus is showing some stuff. Those are like five players yes. I can name that have been like more inspiring. You're getting the ball to Kenny Gainwell on third and eleven. Like it's insane. It's indefensible. There's no good reason to be calling that play. It is terrible. That's a terrible decision. And again, especially in the context of. Game is on the like you could really seize the game here for as bad as it was in the first half. You can take control, maybe get a touchdown here and finish this thing out and ride it out and don't give Washington any life to even come back into the game. And they didn't. They settled so, for I, a field goal. I, I asked that. I asked him that question yeah. after the after the game, and he was fine. Like he he answered it politely. Whatever. Like he actually expected. Except it. he, he was factually inaccurate got, in his answer, but. <laughs> he got asked about it again today though i think it was i think it was t-mac mm-hmm. and he did not like that it came up again <laughs> especially after brian johnson got asked about it uh uh i guess on tuesday <laughs> and he got asked again on wednesday uh another you know different version of it and he he did not want to have that answered a third time. That's and it's such a, it's, and it's, gave kind it's of a, to- a, ra- a rare snippy response from Nick. But Sirianni it's totally today. fair to ask because it begs the question: Will you do that again yes. in another third and long situation? Because <laughs> you, you seem <laughs> right. to think that was a good idea based on your answer. You keep yeah. defending it. So are you you're telling us that you you accept you think that's an acceptable play and you don't want it back and you would do that again? Because if you do do it again, then that's going to be even worse. Okay, you made a mistake one time. You called a really bad play. Did you learn from it? No. This is your mo. This is what you want to do. That's concerning. So I think from a broader perspective, just to go outside of that play, coaching on the whole on a Sunday was I think not a strong point. Now you know offense was productive, so I don't want to say they were worthless. And I think Sean decides in a tough spot because it's a lot of injuries. The talent isn't ideal anyway regardless of injuries at positions like safety and mm-hmm. linebacker. So, and I do think 
they were a little unlucky. Like the pass rush was generating pressure. They got five sacks. They like, I feel like they just missed Sam Howell on some of those. And credit to Sam Howell. I thought he played great relative to expectation, at least. And it, specifically when it came to avoiding pressure, he just seemed to be able to step up every time and, and escape some and force some missed tackles. And so I think he did a good job of doing that to counter the Eagles rush to some extent. Um, I'm not ready to like cr- crush Sean Desai and say he's hopeless, but at the, at the same time, commanders had like the third most efficient performance in week four by EPA, I believe per play. So I mean, it was objectively not. A, and I, I will say this for them. They, they made, they made legitimately good plays though. I thought they, they, that was the best game that they've played all year. The commanders. Yes. So it's, I don't think it's all just, you know, the Eagles are bad. I think actually Washington was actually pretty good in that game. It was uh, that's how in particular. Give how credit. Made, he made some he, great throws. Yep. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, and he, he like escaped pressure a bunch of times. Yes. <laughs> like uh, he looked like a legit player. He did. And it's weird because he just came off a game where he did not look anything close to mm-hmm. anything resembling an NFL starter. At the same time, when you allow, I will say this on on the coach on the coaching front, it said like I'm debatable whether they got out coached but if you're like covering washington mm-hmm. if you're a reporter covering washington you are killing ron oh, rivera yeah. after this game rj and i talked about this <laughs> for on the not going game. for two That's, that is insane I, I'm not gonna, how do you not go for two there i'm not going to rehash what i said there you can listen to it on the nfc's mixtape because i gave a pretty long thing on that but yeah i mean that was a gift to the eagles to the commanders not going for two there there was no good reason to not go for two i i said this to rj and i want to run i'll run this part by you the juxtaposition between like machismo football, like tough, you know, we're physical and aggressive, you know, and like there's this like mentality that you have to be, you know, like a man's man. Yeah. And then at the same time, there comes like you a, get two yards. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's just scared of two yards. Oh, we can't do it. Like, what is that? I was just the same person. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. The guy got a nickname crazy. Riverboat Ron, and he can't go for two yards. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. He would rather go. For, so here's the here's what you would rather do. I'm getting into it now, but here, this is what you would rather do than try to get two yards. You would rather let the fate of the game potentially be decided by something you have no control over in a coin toss, a coin toss, and then win that in the best case scenario, and then drive 75 yards for a touchdown. You'd rather do that than go yeah. for two. Like it makes no sense in an opposing stadium where you're against a 10 team point underdogs. That is- definitively better than you and oh by the way they have an elite kicker I, I which is kind of a RJ, big deal in overtime a too because you don't even it's, the eagles don't even need to get into they don't even need to get close they don't even need to get into the red zone to win the game they want they chose that over one play and the reason he said by the way was because his offense was gassed you know who was really gassed <laughs> the eagles defense you could see it it was crystal clear they couldn't run around anymore that was insane i will say uh getting back to the desire of it all and the defense as a whole, put it on the players too. They had freaking third and 17 from the, the commander's own 40 yard line. And the commanders had like a minute on the clock and no timeouts left. Like, yeah, come on. You have to end the game. You have to end the game there. It's third and 17. Yeah. They have no timeouts left. How do you, or at least if not end the game right there, how do they get a touchdown on a drive where they're at their own 40, third and 17, no timeouts left? How do they get a touchdown off of that? Like, that's, that's, that's bad. It's a bad look. It's inexcusable. I thought someone who's kind of skated by in this game for not having the best game is Darius Slay. I don't think any Terry McLaurin has given him troubles in the past. I'm not saying the past coverage defensive struggles are all on him, but you're paying him to be like an elite cornerback. And I don't think he was an elite cornerback on Sunday. So 
that wasn't great. We have breaking news, Brandon. What? The Eagles injury report is out. Uh-oh. Okay, so nothing crazy here. Oh, I thought you were uh, going to lead with some you... big news. <laughs> like Jalen Hurts didn't practice. No, uh, as expected, Cam Jurgens didn't practice. Britton Covey didn't practice. Although Covey was out there. He didn't, I mean, he was running around. I guess he didn't practice with the team. Um, Fletcher Cox did not practice. His injury is back now, so that's new. Who? Um, Fletcher Cox. Oh. Back injury. Yeah, so that's originally new. he had like a ribs injury. Was it really earlier this season? Or yes. Was it? Okay. And then I think it was knee last it's week. Back now, and now it's back. He's hurting all over. Back, and he didn't practice, and he was limited with those other injuries. Mm. So that'll be worth watching. And then Marlon Tui Pelotu is did not practice triceps injury. Sidney okay. Brown limited hamstring. That's an upgrade from where he was this time last week. And Justin Evans and Quez Watkins were both full. So okay. those guys will be Plays back on, on track to return after missing. Question for you. Yes. Who gets more snaps going I mean, forward, it should be, Quez or Alamade? Should be Alamade, Zacchaeus, who now in his last two games, I think has as many yards as Quez Watkins does in his last nine games. Like, why wouldn't Alamade have more? What has Quez Watkins done recently that gives him the right to have a ton of playing time? I uh, agree. I, I like. I think Alamade is the more trustworthy player, and he did have a drop and. That he, throw was a little behind him. I think he still could have caught it, to be fair, but that throw was also, had it. it was also behind him. I will say <laughs> it was. I remember seeing the replay. It was behind him. But Hurts went right back to him on the yep, next play. And, he made a and, tough he, catch. and that was a tough catch, and he made it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course, he was, as I mentioned earlier, on the long A.J. Brown touchdown. He's way down the field blocking his ass off. And actually, they ran a couple wide receiver screens, not to him, but to his side, which you don't often do. You don't like often choose your 5'8", 190-pound receiver mm. to throw wide receiver screens behind. And he's not a guy that's going to like bully opposing corners, but he's tenacious. Mm-hmm. And he does a pretty good job as a blocker. I kind of like him in that role. I'm not saying Quez can't play at all. I think, again, there's value in getting both of those guys some playing time. But if you ask me who should get more, I think it should be Alamade. And I think Quez should have a role where he's used at times Agreed. to stretch the field and take some shots occasionally. But Alamade's playing time, again, I said it in week one, when Quez, when everyone was healthy, the roster was completely healthy, Alamade only played like seven snaps or something. He played extremely low snap count, and he didn't even see a target in the first two weeks. And I think that is not, that's not how they should operate moving forward. I think Alamade is doing enough to at least get like a target or two a game. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, at le- yeah, I mean, a target or two at least, I would say. Especially if we're forcing the ball to Kenny Gainwell for no good reason. <laughs> So this game, uh, we should probably note too that like this, this is a very weird game. I think if some some of the weirdness didn't happen, they win this game by double digits. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just gonna go real real quick through the the. I have six things that yeah, happen. Let's do in this, this and we'll take half a half dozen things that that happen in this game. First of all, the holding call that they called on Zach Cunningham. It wasn't on him. It was Nicholas Mar Nicholas Mars. It's been awesome, by yeah. the way. In relief of Nakobe Dean, he is just mention that he real quick. PFF's second greatest high li- highest graded linebacker. Oh, is only he? behind Roquan Smith. <laughs> you know, again, it's, is that right? Like, I know that <laughs> you know PFF funny. grades are not perfect, but still, like the fact that that could even happen is just like, what is going on? <laughs> right, he's been really good, but they called the hold on him. It was not a hold. It was a ridiculous. I found the I found the play and I showed it on Twitter. Ridiculous. Call. I don't even think Curtis Samuel called for a flag. 
Like the player didn't even think he got flagged. Yes. Yeah. No, he didn't complain for a second. That guy. No, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, he, he got like, first of all, like it wasn't a hold. He did make contact with the sure. guy, but it was within five yards. So it was, but that wasn't even the, that wasn't the call. It wasn't illegal contact. Mm-hmm. It was holding. Yeah. And he definitively did not hold that guy. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, the dropped uh, uh, interception mm-hmm. that you talked about earlier. That's a seven point drop. That ball hung up in the air too. Scored. Like that's one of those plays where, as like the ball goes up into the air, like oh, that's going to get picked off because it was just hanging yes. up there. <laughs> yeah, in fact, that drew like a oh, oh <laughs> from like the Eagles PR guys that sit a couple rows mm, behind us. Nice, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was a seven point drop because the commander scored on that drive. Uh, they forced a fumble at the goal line, which normally when that happens, the defense is going to recover that like two out of three times, I'd say, somewhere in that range. And the commanders recovered. In the end zone, nonetheless. Didn't go backwards. It goes forward into the end zone. You have, of course, the controversial fourth and one where Landon Dickerson's called for offsides. <laughs> and he was, I guess. Jason Kelsey said he wasn't offsides, by the way. Um, but Duran Payne literally touching the wow, football with his hands. He's touching the ball. His head... His head is hovering completely over the ball before it's. I don't even care where his and head then, is. How was he touching the ball? How was that? You can't touch the ball. <laughs> Since when can the defender touch the ball? So uh, they called Dickerson for offsides, and it was revealed later uh, this week that the NFL basically sent the Eagles a man- memo saying that you know you got to watch being offsides on these plays. So the league is now trying to make this play more difficult Losers. for the Eagles in my, in my view, which come on, uh, to, Darius to Slay, all these for, whiner loser teams who can't do it and can't stop it. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. There's some, there's some influential owner or owners who are getting in the, the league's ear and they're bitching about it. And now the hey, league is trying are to too good make at this, make them not as good Eagles. as this. Like, okay. Yeah. That's what it is. That's a, that, that I'm, I'm certain that's what it anyway, is. Anyway, you said Dar- uh, Darius Slay called for an asinine pass interference mm-hmm. penalty uh, in the middle of the field. Just did, simply did not. I came out very ball. late on that one. It was so it was way after the ball had even hit the ground. Uh, and then uh, this is a, a side one. I don't have this on my list, but I in watching the game live and seeing the replay on the TV. I don't have a great view of the replay, but um the James Bradbury yeah. pass interference or hold or what I think it was pass interference. I mean, that was pretty, I mean, that's a pretty ticky tack call mm. as well. Do you like, is that what you're going to the, you're going to the game to see a flag for that? That's the entertainment. And then the, the sixth thing that I have, you mentioned the Terrell Evans, the two penalties, the one was legit. He had the helmet to helmet shot on mm. Logan Thomas. I think it was, Yeah, but the other one on the sideline What's he supposed to do there? And like they, the, the NFL has to come up with a fix for for quarterbacks. And I'm not saying Hal did this necessarily, but there are some quarterbacks in the league. Patrick Mahomes is a fender number one of this, where he'll just run along the sideline, and then as soon as the defender gets close, boom! Like he, he steps out of bounds, and if he gets touched mm-hmm. at all, flag comes out. Like he'll fall, he'll he'll like he'll sell it, and the flag comes out. And if you don't touch him, he's just going to stick the ball out and get some extra right. yardage. So Sam Howell is running towards the sticks, and you can when you watch the replay, you can see him adjusting the football. Like he he had it tucked, mm-hmm. and then he untucked it, and he's got two hands on it, like so he's getting a good grip on it with one hand because he is a he is going to reach the ball over the marker. Terrell Evans beats him to the spot, hits him because 
Of course he hit him. He's a runner. Well, he also and it, it Edmonds was, also came back from like dropping. He was dropping on that play. So then he came up. That I think that context is important because it's not like he was just standing there along the sideline and then like launched his shoulder into Howell's head or something. Like yeah. he, he had to He's fly to in beat to make Howell a play. to the spot. Yeah, he was trying to beat him to the spot. And he did. He beat him to the spot. He made a great yeah, play in my hustling. opinion. <laughs> and 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 I and it was t- it was close over whether Hal had a foot out of bounds or not, but that shouldn't matter. Like that, that should not matter at all. If his foot landed like, you know, 0.001 seconds before he got hit, that doesn't, it should not matter at all. Like he's a runner. He, if he wants to, if he wants to not get hit, he should slide. Like, you know, like, but if he's trying to get a first down, he should absolutely be fair game for a hit along the sideline that, and it's officiated pretty consistently Mm -hmm. that, that call, that type of call with quarterbacks league wide. So it's not like, you know, we can go get into some conspiracy Mm -hmm. theory, like, oh, they wanted to give the commanders first down, blah, blah, blah. That's not happening here because they do, they make this shit call throughout the league all the time, but they got to do something about fixing that because, uh, quarterbacks are taking advantage of it, and again, I don't think Hal is doing that. To, in this case, he's just he's just trying to run for a first down, and he gets hit along the sideline. Ridiculous uh, personal foul, in my opinion. I thought this officiating case. crew was just like incompetent at some level in terms of. I thought <laughs> yes. even when they would do like routine false start or offside penalties, it took like forever to get the call in. Did you feel the same way? Yes. Like it was like. Okay, flag, false start. Typically, when you're watching like a primetime game, you're like, all right, you know, they call it really quick, boom, efficient, next play. It'd like throw a flag, talk about it for 30 seconds, only for it to There be, was a lot of like, huddles. What's going on? Referee like, just make the call. Like, yeah. what is this? This group didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. So, yeah. And really weird note um, good friend Brent Cohen, uh, Eagles Rewind on Twitter, had pointed out the Eagles' last three games where they've been. Uh, penalized the most to give up first downs. They give up five first downs in this Commanders game. Have all been against the Commanders. Some weird thing going on here. They play the Commanders, Mm -hmm. and more than any other team the Eagles play, the Commanders just happen to get all these beneficial uh, first down penalties against them. So I don't really know what that is. And also, this kind of speaks to what you're talking about in general with the commander's luck against the Eagles, especially like last year at the link, like all these, like, yeah. weird, maybe it's just, it's a divisional game and weird things happen. I guess I don't, I don't know, but it is frustrating from a standpoint of it's just, and, and this is why I was never worried about the Eagles losing on Sunday. Even when they were down, I didn't think they were going to lose. And I was so confident them winning and covering, which they didn't do in part because I thought they were better. And that continued because it wasn't like the Eagles got down early in the game because only they were just getting their butts kicked. It was in part because you know these weird things go against them. And I was like, that's probably going to even out. And it did to some extent in terms of Terry McLaurin can't get his foot in on the sideline late in the game because he steps on crazy play blanking chips. But like the commanders are really mad about that, by the way, they think that's a catch, not a catch. And it's, I mean, it obviously is not he like his foot is out of bounds. And it sucks that it sucks for you know for for them that he landed on Reed Blankenship's mm-hmm. wrist and it made his made his foot go out of bounds first. But they're saying like the rule should be if you if you land on a player that player is part of the field and it should yeah, count. That's not true. That's not a foot how it down. works. Right. It's not. It's not what the rule is. Uh, and I get it. Like it sucks that he landed on the guy's wrist and he didn't make the catch, but. They, you know, by rule, very clearly not a catch. Also, like the play on the field had to stand. I think even if it was a catch, I think they probably would have just went with the like. I think the the ruling there was going to stand either way. I think it was not conclusive enough, or maybe you disagree. But in any case, I think even if 
it's close. They were going to stick with the ruling. I thought it was clearly on the line, but uh, maybe. Yeah, but I, I don't disagree that they might not have overturned it. if Because they if did they say calling the other way initially. They said the ruling stand. They did not say the ruling was confirmed for what it's worth, I okay. believe. Um, yep. So anyway, yeah. Um, I mean, it came down to that two-point conversion. <laughs> you just you had to get that. <laughs> and uh, ultimately, uh, I... Oh, a win's a win. What the Eagles are doing is really hard to do. They're the first team since 1998 to go to the Super Bowl, lose, and then come back and start out 4-0. Like, that's not an easy thing to do. At the same time, I don't think people need to, like, gaslight themselves into being like, actually, everything's fine. Like, no. there's To me, one of my biggest beliefs, in addition to my mantra of more than one thing can be true, is there's a difference between feeling and knowing. You can know the Eagles are 4-0, and that's great. You can also feel like this isn't like a great feeling 4-0, carefree, no issues here. No, that's not what's happening. Style points absolutely do matter in the bigger picture in terms of you don't want the Eagles to be the 2020, the 2020 Steelers who started out 11-0, but no one was taking them seriously because they were like playing right. all these close games, and it was like they didn't even look that good. 2020 Steelers almost lost to the 2020 Eagles, by the way. Um, also, you have the last year's Vikings. No one took that Vikings team seriously. Like a negative right. point differential. So, like, I don't want to hear a win. A win is a win, yes, to some extent, but not in the like style points also do matter, is my point. Like, you have to, at some point. So, I don't, yeah. Y- you have to. I don't think they're on the level of those two teams. I agree. But I'm not saying they're the same comparison. Your gen- but your general point but is on. You can't on, just for say, sure. like, win at any cost, no matter what, and anything that matters is just your record. No, that's not true. That's not true. There are things that matter more than your record in terms of, like, underlying metrics that indicate are you truly a good team or not. And, like, again, the Vikings are a great example of that to me last year. 13-4. and four, No one took them seriously. What do they do? They lose by a touchdown in their first playoff game. And who was surprised about that? And they lost to a team, by the way, that's also – very bad and looks very bad in the New York Giants. So uh anyway, I do well, like, the comp is the 49ers, for example. The 49ers have smashed three of the four teams they played. Yes. And the the, the only game that was close was the Rams, and mm-hmm. then you know they pulled away from them in the fourth quarter as well. So yeah. Uh and that's your competition like the, to get back to the Super Bowl. You, you look at like the what those two teams have done. One team looks like really, really good, and the other looks good, but not as good as they were last year. And I'm not so. saying the Eagles can't get there. I think they can get there, but they're not there right now. And I think that's okay to acknowledge. And I also think it'll look very different once they do get there. And that's why we can make a distinction there. It's not like, oh, well, they were this team all along. It's like, no, they took it to another year. I think they're capable of getting it to another year. My only thing against people saying they haven't played their A game yet and that's good news would be as the sample size widens and they continue to not play their A game, well, maybe the A game isn't coming at some point if this continues to be the case over and over, but we will see. Uh, Weird report here on the Rams injury, and this isn't an injury report. This is just Sean McVay's interview from Lindsay Theory, I believe from The Athletic. Um, She says, Sean McVay says Cooper Cup will be limited Mm. in his return to practice today before adding that Cup won't actually be limited what? and that he felt like Ron Burgundy reading that off the projected participation report. <laughs> like he's just reading whatever's there. But he's not hes not actually going to be limited, but for whatever reason, the report that he was reading in front of him said he was limited. So it's not, that, to me, sounds like Cooper Cup's going to play. Yeah, they've been five s- signaling that 
even like dating back to last week. Uh, the other big one to watch is Matthew Stafford, who suffered a hip contusion. It sounds like he will play as well. And also Stafford throughout his career has been a guy who's like been able to play through injuries. He's a pretty tough dude by all accounts. But I think you can wonder about like, <laughs> is that going to impact him at all? Is that going to uh, limit him in any capacity? By the way, I didn't really realize this because the Rams have had success and look good. Matthew Stafford has more interceptions than passing touchdowns this year. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but, yeah, I think that's a little fluky though because their passing game has actually looked pretty good. Right, but still, he's I mean, second like, in the NFL in yards. Um, but, but, but I'm but, saying, so, like, yeah, so their running back hasn't been that good. But he's got a he's got a buttload of rushing touchdowns. So it's just that they've gotten tackled near the goal sure. line, it's, and then the running back has finished it off. I'm not saying it's everything, and he stinks, but it's just funny to yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. The, well, the Rams look really good, and Stafford's back, and then I look it up, and I'm like. Okay, well. <laughs> it's three and five, right? Three yeah. touchdowns, five interceptions. I think, yeah, yeah. So you know, he's not winning MVP anytime soon here. With those I mean, numbers. that's a legit opponent. My, we'll get to more. We'll get to more of that in the next episode when we look at the matchups, sure. or whatever. But they, I, th- I think that's the best team that they're that they've played that they will have faced. Uh, I, mean, I don't this, even think it's this close. team looked like before this. You know, when the schedule came out, it was like, oh, that's a win. They had the but, second lowest projected yeah. win total in the NFL. They were tied with some other teams. It was like six and a half games. Yeah. No, they're better, they're better than, than expected. All right, let's take a break here. I want to get to Jalen Hurts. Jimmy, we will okay. be back after we hear about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors and RoachRealtors.com. 856-906-9295 is where you can call or text Kristen Roach, voted on by God as the best realtor mm-hmm. in the history of the universe, as we all know. Uh, so if you're looking to buy or sell your home, call or text Kristen at 856-906-9295. Website's having a little difficulty right now, so mm. don't bother with that for now. Just call or text her with that number. Brandon? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, where we took too long to get to the Eagles quarterback, but what do you make of Jalen Hurts' week four outing, Jimmy? Let me get to two more, two very quick things before we go to Hertz, mm. because we'd be remiss to to mention these two guys real quick. Devontae Smith, the catch that he made at the end of the first half, the three point catch. Yeah. Like without that catch, they they miss out on the, the huge three points because it goes from ten points to seven, leading in the halftime. And then Hassan Reddick gets his first sack of the season and against the guy that he faced in the Super Bowl with the slippery field. Uh, yeah. Must have felt great for him to get that sec, particularly against that guy, but also because it was his first one of the year. And it was the first game that he played without the big club cast uh, on his hand. He now has that off. That opens up a more of a repertoire of his pass rush moves, most notably like the push pull move. So if he, Eagles have like, have kind of had like a bunch of stars that, you know, have been slow out of the gate this year and him being one of them, AJ Brown being one of them before he exploded weeks three and four, Dallas Goddard being one of them hasn't exploded mm. yet, but that may be to come. Um, so if Son Reddick can kind of get back to what he was in 2022, then man, that defense is going to be so much better. Jalen Hurts, mm. another one, you know, kind of like first, I think he's been, you know, not, he hasn't been bad, obviously the first three weeks of the season and he's won what? 18 of his last. No, when he starts 21 of the last 22, 21 of the 22. Okay. Um, he joined so, Tom hi- Brady in, <laughs> Uh, Peyton Manning. And oh, you put this stat out, Joe right? Montana, I think I retweeted this. Yeah. Uh, among other quarterbacks, very Daryl Lamonica, I think Lamonica. was one of them. 
I told RJ I didn't know who that was, and he got mad at me, but I still don't know who that is. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think this was his best game, clearly, by far, the season so far. Um, you know, hit some big throws down, you know, to A.J. Brown. I think I thought the, the throw deep down the field to Devontae Smith was a big-time throw. The throw that was incredible, I mean, it wasn't a huge play in the game, was the throw to Dallas Goddard. I yeah. mean, there's no, no margin for error on that throw whatsoever. Yes. And it's just on point on the money. The the, the QB school guy, um, JT O'Sullivan, mm-hmm. did a breakdown of Jalen Hurts' performance in um, in this game. And if you've ever watched any of his videos, he does not shy away from criticism in any way. And he loved Jalen Hurts' performance in that game. In this game. He had some nitpicks like mm. um, footwork stuff which is leading maybe to some, a little bit of inaccuracy, things that can be cleaned up. But he was very impressed with this, uh, with this performance by Jalen Hurts. Over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Also had that one huge run that well, we should probably talk about his, his running. Cause yes, that's what I wanted to get up. to. Cause I thought this was a good game as a passer. Great step in the right step in the direction, a step in the right direction for mm-hmm. that component. Encouraged by that for sure. But the running thing, man, the running thing, it's just not right. Something's not right there. And I just, like, they have to figure it out. Because you can't, I, I've seen some people be like, well, they just want him to, you know, protect himself more. And clearly he's making an effort to do that. And I get that. But you can't go from Jalen Hurts being as awesome as he was last year and in the past as a great of a runner he is and efficient and effective as a runner he is, and neuter that entirely. You can't do that. Like, that's part of what makes him really good. You can't just say, okay, he's a non-factor as a runner now. And basically, outside of that play you talked about, which was a very good play to use his legs to escape pressure and run and take mm-hmm. off, he had, so taking that play out, he had eight rushes. And there's some, you know, brotherly shoves in there, so that brings this number yeah. down. But still, it also does speak to him not being great. Eight rushes for 10 yards. That's tough, man. That's not good enough. Yeah, and it's because he's giving himself up. Like he's sliding. Um, he's he, like whereas in past years he is trying to break tackles, or at least you know maybe not trying. He's not running guys over or anything like that. But he's not. He's getting tackled as opposed to just going down immediately as soon as anyone gets in the same zip code as him, which he's done so far this year. And I get it. Like I get the the uh, the notion that, he, like you said earlier. He's making a quarter of a billion dollars <laughs> with this new contract, and you want to make sure that you have him for the the entirety of the mm-hmm. season and and the entirety of the contract, ideally. So, yeah, do you want to keep him out of harm's way? Absolutely, but I think it's going to have an, at some point it's going to have an adverse effect on the running game as a whole. Not even just his runs, mm-hmm. because a big part of why they're successful in the run game is not just because their offensive line is elite. And certainly that's the biggest part of it, but it's also because the threat of Jalen hurts, keeping the ball as opposed to handing it off to Deandre Swift in this case, keeps that backside edge defender occupied. So it's one less guy that is trying to tackle Deandre Swift. Whenever he handed to him at some point, defenses are going to catch on, He's not Jalen Hurts is not a threat anymore as a runner if he's just going to go down when anyone gets anywhere near him. So guess what? That backside defender is going to stop worrying about Jalen Hurts keeping the ball and he's going to crash down on whoever they're handing the ball off to. So I think that's something that's coming down the pike if Jalen Hurts and 
you know, the Eagles offense, whatever, whoever's responsible for, you know, him going down just as easily as he's been that, that I think they have to be kind of wary that this backside defender is going to just start ignoring him. I think there's also been some plays too, where it's not just about him getting down early where there've been like designed quarterback runs and they're just not like effective. They're, they're not yes. getting like the, they're not getting him into open space or the blocking isn't there or whatever. It just doesn't look right. There's time for hurts. I think just looks slow, which is like, wow. Since when, <laughs> when did he get slower? I'm not saying he looks slow the whole game. He did have that good run and he did have a key conversion um, third down, I believe to the right side where he just got out of bounds towards the marker in this game. So it's not like he's a total zero non-factor, but his efficiency has gone way down. And that's something I want to talk about here. Like I get, he can't maybe be as much of a volume runner as he was in the past, but that doesn't mean the efficiency has to be way worse too. Like I think the volume can decrease while the efficiency is still good and it's been bad. And according to um, success rate, which make of it what you will, um, Benjamin Solak wrote about this for the ringer this week. On plays outside of the pocket, and this includes both running and passing, Jalen Hurts ranks dead last in the NFL among all quarterbacks in success rate. So, like, something is just not right Mm. there. And I don't know what it is. I don't have the answers. But I just feel like you have to figure that out. You have to be able to bridge the gap between Jalen Hurts can't run at all. We need to protect him. And Jalen Hurts is out there running through every tackle. Like, there has to be some kind of happy medium there. Or something, and I feel like it's just it's too extreme towards the the one end right now. Yeah, I think that's all fair, and uh, yeah, these these design runs, like you said, they're they've been ineffective too. And and on the look slow point, in a weird way, I think there are a lot of runs that I've seen where he's not trying to run fast. If that mm. <laughs> like if that makes sense, I think he knows that he's going to get down, and he's not he's not like he's literally not trying to run fast. Does that mm. does that does that does that make sense to you? No, I guess not. I don't know. <laughs> like uh, there might be a defender who's you know in a position to make a tackle on him, mm-hmm. and instead of trying to run fast and beat him around the edge or cut back or whatever, he's. Just kind of he just kind of jogs and then goes down when the defender gets close. I think I've seen that a few times. I, I yeah, I do games. get that, but it's just yeah, it's just that's tough, man. It's tough to go from being an absolute weapon with your legs to just nothing. Like that's just too. That's I don't think you can just do that. Like, I don't think that's an acceptable drop off. Yeah, I think he looked good. Like, the one run that he had in that, I thought I thought he looked like I agree. On yeah, that, exactly. Where he, on that play, he, he evaded he evaded the player ran right through the middle and then bounced it to the left. Great run. That's part of what makes Mahomes so good too. Like when you see Mahomes isn't the guy who's, you know, like running all game long, but he'll break right. it out. And he did this against the jets when he needs to on plays like that, where he, and against the Eagles, like he did where he can escape and make a big play down the field with his legs in the right spots and pick those spots. So that was, that was good to see. That was encouraging to see, but I just feel like they have to figure out with the design stuff too. They just have to get a little bit more production out of his legs. And that's something I think that can come as the season goes along. I'm not saying it can't, but mm-hmm. uh, that's been, it's just weird. It's, it's a weird feeling to me. It doesn't look right. Okay. Okay. Any final thoughts, Jimmy? Mm, are we doing like the final thoughts of the episode or final thoughts from the game? Either way, we're wrapping up here. <laughs> uh, go Phils. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to game two tonight. Some Marlins players got a little, I forget who said it, but they were like, we're going to kick their asses tonight. Okay, good. Let them think <laughs> <All right>. that. <laughs> okay. Uh, why don't you just do it instead of talking about it? 
who do we got? Nola on the on the. Uh, it uh, is. I don't, don't love that. Yep. Don't love that. Um, but man, Wheeler, love that guy, dude. Uh, so I was down there at the game last night, and you could just tell. Uh, and this is the first Phillies game I've actually been to where I was like in the seats before everything was starting because usually I get there a little bit late for various reasons. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to get there early. I was there with my parents. It was a fun time. And, you know, Wheeler walks out of the Phillies dugout to go like warm up in the bullpen and the crowd instantly is just like into it and like everyone's clapping and cheering. And that's, that's like, I don't know, 30 ish minutes before the game starts yet. Like that's early. <laughs> and, um, so people were just fired up from the jump and yeah, he was awesome. I thought he got a little bit unlucky towards like, he, uh, before he got taken out there, like, a lot of infield yeah. hits. It was like, it wasn't yeah, like yeah, he was yeah. getting, you know, the bar. Yeah, B-A-B-I-P'd. Yeah. Babbitt. Yeah. So yeah. I think he had some bad luck, but he was awesome. And bullpen, bullpen came in, shut it down. Uh, like I said, getting to see the welcome to the jungle thing, I think is really cool. Even if Craig Kimball might not fully deserve it. I think it's a really cool <laughs> experience to see in the stadium. Um, it's a great atmosphere. And you know, what I love about this team, like any, anything good that happens, it can just be like a leadoff single or something like that. All the guys on the bench are up on that top step it, in the dugout and they are like super fired up yeah. about anything that happens. It's very fun to watch. I, this is like a, this team is su- like in a way that the Sixers are going to be super unlikable oh, this year. <laughs> this Phillies team is the opposite of that. They are very likable. They're just a lot of like weird guys on the, and, and I say that in a loving way. I'm not like, like yeah. not a criticism, but like, I love it. I love, I love Castellanos. Like he's just such like a, I, he's such a weird guy to place playing with his you know he plays with his shirt open uh unbuttoned you know a couple buttons down he they ask him um what he learned from this season or whatever after the phillies clinched and he was like nothing <laughs> he's just kind of like a weird guy <laughs> he does the thing with the finger last night where everyone thought he was flipping off his teammates yeah. did you see what, what the tele yeah. did you see what they were talking about the telecast on that no other they like they showed they showed it to make sure that like everyone knew it wasn't the <laughs> they're like see that it was, it was his ring finger it's yeah. not not a big deal yeah not a big deal because they didn't want to get like letters like yeah angry i guess letters don't happen anymore but like, <laughs> like angry emails from people oh, my child saw him give the finger but like <laughs> it's so good because his teammates didn't know he was gonna do that right like i don't know if you saw that they they thought he was they his teammates thought they were flipping <laughs> he was flipping them <laughs> off but he was doing yeah. the you know the ring finger for like hey we're coming for the ring. Like that's that's what this is. That's what this is about. So yeah, I love this team, and I think uh, they were built. For, Rob Thompson has said they're built for this, and I feel like that can be a cliche. Like any coach can say that about their players. Oh no, they are. I don't. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, that, like yeah, no, he, yeah. this that's true. Like they are built for this. Like they look like they're absolutely ready for the moment. Um, we saw them go in that run last year, and I this they and they're locked in. They're locked the f in right now. This team, I would say about them. They didn't even play their best game offensively last night. Stranded some runners. Didn't even hit a home run. Uh, that's what kind of makes me feel good about Tuesday night here. Yeah. In terms of like, they haven't even broken out the power yet. I know Noah might not be great, but I think the hitting can make up for it and hopefully get them through. You get two days off and then you kick it off against the Braves. And like, man, if you're a Braves fan and uh, shout out to our yeah, good friend. You, don't, you want no part of the Phillies. Especially like oh, you're yeah you're rooting like hell that the Marlins find a way to pull off an upset <laughs> yes. the next two nights because like you don't want this you don't want to have to come here 
I know most of the games will be in Atlanta, but still, like, you don't want to have I mean, that's to that's who come. they lost to last year. Of course yeah. they don't want to play this team again. It's, it's the same team. I mean, the Braves are even better than they were last year in terms of, like, what they yeah, did. Yeah, well, I mean, the Phillies are, are more or less but, the same team. But the Phillies could also, I think they're also, yeah. So uh, it's been great to see. I know not everyone is a Phillies fan just because you like the Eagles. I, I know there's, like, a lot of, like, Eagles, Yankees, and whatever else, a lot of out-of-town fans. But still, I think you, even if you're not a Phillies fan, you have to kind of understand there's, you know, there's a special energy going on in the city right now. And, uh, you know, I think it's nice if that can translate to Eagles at all. I don't know that it does, but um, it can maybe take away from it in terms of the discourse, like, in the city. I know WIP, like, it's probably a lot more Phillies heavy because that's what's happening right now, whereas opposed to, like, the Eagles are 4-0. There's still a lot of Eagles on WIP. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> the, the Eagles still dominate, I think. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's a, an uptick of Phillies for sure. So uh, exciting stuff. Hopefully they can take care of business and continue another long run. I think it's, it's fun. I really think it's fun to have, you know, Phillies, obviously because they're winning and going deep. But it's just cool that Eagle season is on. But that's your Sunday thing more so. And then you have the Phillies during the week to help you get through to, you know, game day on the weekend. So it's kind of just a fun time of year all around, I believe. Uh, that's my final thought is go Phils and let's keep it going. This has been BGN Radio episode 353. We'll wrap it up by saying that all of our social media and sponsor, informa- sponsor information is in the episode description. So check that out there for links and promo codes and websites, any kind of good stuff going on there uh my website check it out bleedingyournation.com jimmy kemsky at phillyvoice.com and we will be back with you very shortly this week to talk about eagles rams preview week five until next time good bye everybody pgn